Welcome to Multiversal Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse, now in podcast form. I'm Luke, and this week, to uh, help shed some additional perspective on noir as a, I don't think genre is the correct term that you've used, uh, is our special film expert and good friend of the show, Shannon. How are you doing? Doing good. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited to talk about some old movies. Yeah, so we've been uh, doing our Marvel Noir Month. This is one of our final three episodes that we're doing. We've, we've also got X-Men Noir, Mark of Kane going up today. And then Wednesday, we're rounding everything out with Spider-Man Noir, Eyes Without a Face. That is going up Wednesday to wrap up this mistake of a month that I've done. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I decided to try and do what has become a... 10 part plus series for this month and also i started dating and got into a good relationship this month and uh yeah it's like oh of course this would happen luckily it's oscar season so there is nothing good that i want to see and the theater where i ended up seeing over 100 movies last year is not doing a oh we're going to show the top 100 cult films this year so thank goodness for that <laughs> a little bit of free time yeah, Marvel Noir does not seem to understand what Noir is. How would you describe Marvel Noir? Because I'm not as familiar with that, obviously. So it was sort of a line that they wanted to do doing uh, Noir takes on various characters. So there's like Spider-Man Noir, Punisher Noir, Iron Man Noir, Wolverine Noir, and also X-Men Noir, where there's actually two different versions of Noir Wolverine. <laughs> okay. And... Most of the time, there is little or no powers. Like, Spider-Man Noir is an exception because he gets bitten by magical spiders that give him the power to exact retribution on the people who killed his uh, uncle and another Ben. And Daredevil gets his Daredevil powers, except that he gets them when his head is smacked up against a wall by the guy who kills his dad. Okay. Yeah, uh, and X-Men Noir is, they've got loosely adjacent powers to what they are, like Scott Summers is a really good shot, and Beast is still a burly bulky man. That sounds better to me, to just sort of like, how can we adapt this into a more like cynical, realistic, you know? Yeah, I... The problem is, like, you also have Iron Man, where it's, oh, no, it's just Iron Man, and it's pretty much pulp Iron Man, not actually noir, because mm -hmm. he's going in a suit and crashing into a castle and shooting Nazis. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. It's been a wide bag. It all supposedly takes place in the same universe, except nothing actually touches each other except that most of the stories except for like Iron Man Noir are set in New York City in the various boroughs and there's a loose time setting so I, I guess how can we determine what Noir is well I think it's an inherently like murky complicated uh, thing like I mean any kind of genre definition is going to be murkier than you might think it might be like trying to define horror is really difficult and like a western versus like a musical is a musical because there are songs in it but you could have a horror musical or a noir music you know 
it's all it's mm-hmm. all a big mess and um and when people were originally like making noir movies they didn't refer to them as noir it was french people who saw them after the occupation ended in like the 40s who were like these are really dark so they're you know noir means black like black film like dark um so uh, when people were first making noir movies it wasn't necessarily any kind of concerted like singular effort um it's not the same as if okay i'm making a western so i want to make it this way and have these tropes and stuff like that it was more well this is after the war and we're all miserable and people are responding well to these miserable movies like something not you know this isn't really a melodrama this isn't like fantasy this is just sort of dark and sad um because we're all disillusioned and upset which i would be too after world war ii after so many people died you know um so they're they're to me I would define like straight up film noir as films, especially American films of that period, but they had, it's also a style and you could, so I don't know if I would call it like a genre, but there are a lot of associated tropes. And then there's like neo-noir, uh, like the long goodbye and um, Blade Runner and, and Memento and stuff like that, which is done in, very much in the tradition, but it didn't come out of that time period. So, um, I mean, there are a lot of tropes that go along with it that are important. I think if you want to count what you're doing as noir, Although I would not ever have like a rigid definition. Like I don't think Iron Man in an Iron Man suit smashing stuff in a castle and punching Nazis. I don't think that counts. <laughs> I, I'm not very strict yeah. about drawing the line there. But I don't think when I think of like, um, you know, Double Indemnity or Laura or The Big Sleep or all these movies. That's definitely not something that would ever happen. Because it, it's absurd. I mean, it's not in the context of a comic book. It's awesome. But it seems to me kind of absurd in the context of like a dark, realistic, hard-boiled, like sad, cynical story. Would you say that all noir are like pulp stories, but not all pulp stories are noir? I think so. I think that's um, an element of it. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say all because I'm sure there's some stuff, you know, where it, where it gets murkier or more difficult. But there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of noir also, it's... Um, I guess pulp would be more like the plot and stuff. Whereas with noir, there's a lot of stuff tonally and visually that you expect that pulp wouldn't have. Well, and I think pulp is also sort of a reaction to how it's seen as a like standard of quality, like Mm. pulp detective novels or pulp science fiction. A lot of it was it's made on the cheap. It's put out for an audience. It's going to mass consume this, but not really disseminate or judge on quality all that much yeah yeah i think it's a sort of i I do think pulp is a more like i might have to get up and see if i can calm them down uh pulp is more there's more of a like a judgment there not to people who are fans of it not from people who are fans of it whereas noir i don't think is ever like a qualifier or like an aspect of no you would never put something down by calling it noir but some people might put certain stuff down by saying oh it's kind of pulpy it's kind of you know i wouldn't take it very seriously i I don't feel that way but Uh, a lot of people do i guess a lot of the people didn't necessarily put in an effort to tell a story like a lot of the time it felt like in these stories that we have it's more of oh let's try and put these elements in Mm -hmm. to like tell what we think a noir story is and so it becomes a recurring set of traps or a recurring set of tropes like your femme fatales or your single person against the world, or sometimes it's literally just, oh, this is a dark and morally gray story about vigilantes, which I don't necessarily think 
fits in what noir is? I don't think so. I I feel like noir protagonists are usually more like anti-hero, like PIs and stuff. Whereas a vigilante, I feel like is someone who's more justice oriented or who's like, I have to do, mm-hmm. I have to do the right thing. I have to know protagonist typically. I mean, maybe in the, in they do or whatever, they're not like um, motivated by justice or by the law or, or getting ju- exacting justice. You know, it's usually it's, it's, it's untangling a plot or figuring out or just, I'm getting paid to do this and I've gotten it over my head. Yeah. Like two of the better ones that I've read were Wolverine Noir and uh, Luke Cage Noir. Wolverine Noir concerns uh, James Logan, who is a detective whose brother goes missing when they get a case. And so it's him trying to find what happened to his brother and then finding out that it's tied to mistakes that he made in his past and a like a massive crime organization that is bigger than he is and the world sort of against him and knocking him down again and again and him losing what he's trying to say. That sounds like a noir film or like a Luke Cage noir is about a criminal who's just been released to like also gets into a situation bigger than himself. And he's also prompted by his own legend and like those two i think are definitely worth checking out if you're interested in noir and you're listening to this and you're like oh hey that that sounds interesting i think you can probably still pick both of them up for about four dollars on the kindle that's not bad uh if you're looking at amazon no no it's like four issues for that price digitally or if you've got Marvel Unlimited it's on there, or if you ever go to Starbucks and you connect to the internet there, you can just read the stuff there. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has been helpful for uh, getting a bunch of guests as we've had on so far this month to cover everything. But some of the others uh, that we've read just, uh, it seems more like a superhero story as opposed to a noir story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could understand uh, how it could be fun to kind of rework some noir tropes to fit into a superhero story. Uh, like I was just thinking about and fallout Four, the Nick Valentine character fallout Four as a whole is not like a noir, you know, I mean, it's like a sci-fi fifties retro thing, but I, I love that character. I think he's really entertaining within that world. But if you're trying, it's, it's sort of like a weird mishmash. I feel like, when you're like, oh, this is noir, I'm going to put some of the tropes, but then I'm going to retain some of this. Whereas you could do a lot more either having one element of noir in the whole story or just going full into it and really exploring, like, what are the basic elements of these characters that um, even if you take away, like, the superhero setting, the more comic book kind of setting, what uh, carries and what's fun to explore in a darker, you know, more cynical uh, environment. Mm-hmm. I think as far as like going for the darker, more cynical element, even though like Spider-Man Noir has a lot more fantasy stuff, like it's literally he is bitten by spiders that come out of a magic urn. It's him dealing with a corrupt system and like being exposed to a lot of moral grays and even questioning what he's doing in the course of the action. And that again sounds a little bit more... I don't know. I, I feel like if you're going to use something like film noir um, in that way, not that you're 
all the readers would necessarily know the history of it or know all the different elements of it. But there's so much cool stuff that you can draw from and so much you can take advantage of that it's disappointing that someone would just be like, okay, well, here's, we'll just like slap it, a detective setting on it or just do something really, you know, kind of lazy or kind of half-assed or whatever. Yeah, like Daredevil in a War definitely felt like that, where instead of him being a lawyer, he just goes out and gets stuff because he's a private detective's assistant. <laughs> but he's also like going out and doing Daredevil stuff. And that was... It was an interesting episode, if you haven't listened to it, because I brought on a friend who uh, is now a professional or a semi-professional wrestler, and we were just talking about it, and... In a lot of ways, it's the detective getting in over his head, but it never really feels like it because he doesn't seem to be making conscious choices that make Mm -hmm. sense. It's more of he's just stumbling into things and things are happening. And also it's a horribly, horribly planned out uh, setting as far as like, the organization because they like tell you who's behind everything on the first page and then expect you to have your interest peaked, which I don't think necessarily all noir has to be a complete mystery. But if you're trying to have something where it's a person in over his head, you shouldn't necessarily reveal all the cards in the first page. I agree. I mean, one of my favorite film noirs is the big sleep. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in that movie that doesn't make any sense. And that doesn't go anywhere. It's just like a whole... It, it somehow works. It's like just throw a whole bunch of weird stuff at the audience. And um, it just a lot of really strange, menacing characters. Uh, sort of like... though. I think Shane Black was probably pretty heavily influenced by that for like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Which a lot of that plot doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Or like obviously like The Big Lebowski took, isn't noir, but it took a lot from The Big Sleep in there. But I, it's so much more fun... And so much more interesting to do something like that rather than, like you said, just, well, here's what's happening. And I don't know. That just doesn't say there's if there's nothing to wonder about or there's no mystique to it. Um, yeah. They should not be like a clean story where it's like all these characters were directly related. You can have a guy who randomly just punches your character in the face and you never really see yeah. him again. That's that's practically like yeah. a trope. <laughs> I feel like, uh, and more, and it's the whole thing of like, of post World War Two feeling small and feeling helpless against this huge machine, this huge evil machine, you know. And that's part of why I'm sure a lot of it was kind of uh, strange and mysterious. One of my uh, mm-hmm. favorite sort of like later noir films is uh, Kiss Me Deadly which has an almost supernatural weird element to it that I don't want to spoil for people who haven't seen it. There's just, it's, it's a really dark weird, uh, cause the director took a pulp, um, pulp book hero or whatever and made it, took him to the absolute furthest possible degree of being just a fascist monster. Like the author of the books hated the movie cause it's, it's not like a parody. It's just like, here's how this person would be if you, sort of like the beat people up first, ask questions later kind of person, this horrible person. Um, and it makes a really good movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a happy film. It doesn't have any nice people in it. Uh, the one uh, nice person is like a, a, a Greek stereotype and nothing good happens to him. <laughs> but yeah, I like that kind of stuff. 
I couldn't even tell you a lot of the plot of Kiss Me Deadly, and I've seen it three or four times. Interesting. So just because it's something that I watched earlier this year, have you ever seen Bored to Death, the TV show? I have not. It's sort of an interesting neo-noir comedy in that it's like a very messy, but it doesn't necessarily... Well, no, I guess it does get dark, but I think the way that it uses everything, because it's a comedy and it's got everybody's favorite Mm -hmm. uh, Ted Danson in it, it would be interesting to reapproach that from a, is this noir? How much noir is it? But I guess the other thing that's coming up is like, noir strikes me in a lot of ways as a Western and sort of as a alternative view to the Western, both in like where... It originated from where Westerns were very inspired by Italian filmmakers and how they're very tied to the locations and like the symbolism of these. But they're also very much about these different types of loneliness where it's the noir is often this loneliness in the city and the Westerns are this loneliness out where there is nobody else or there's only people who are That's out true. there. That's true. It's either you're like alone in the expanse of like nature or you're like suffocating with all these evil people. And a lot of it's the, um, I don't know if you've ever seen mm-hmm. M, the Fritz Lang film. Yeah, German expressionism yeah, yeah. is also a really, especially visually a big, um, and I guess totally influence on American noir. I guess I'll, I was reading about it today too. It's like, oh, it makes sense. A lot of Germans fled Germany and came over here and uh, worked on films as well. But yeah, I could see that sort of like the antithesis. Yeah. And also, I think, I mean, uh, noir is a lot more cynical than the Western as far as how like different very both very american perspectives um but mm-hmm. i don't know a lot more disillusioned and like the western is a bit more about the dream and noir is a bit more about a reality yeah or just like the nightmare um mm-hmm. the it's a british film so i don't know if you want i i guess i i it's one of my favorite movies uh, the third man counting it is more um, it's like set in post-war Vienna with like Americans and, and British and, and German people all like it. So it's very, very directly drawing right from um, post-World War II uh, sentiments. But it's a very, the two, the main, main characters are two Americans with really different ideals or three Americans, I guess, if you count the love interest too. Um, yeah, I that is one of the other ones that I have seen. What do you think of it? I remember like really enjoying it and like it it, it's beautifully shot it's a classic for a reason in the same way that m is i feel like in a lot of ways what they should have done is just been like hey let's take these famous movies and sort of wrap around a superhero ideal behind them like uh we've been having people with more familiarity with comics but like pitch characters that they'd like to see as sort of noir versions or in noir tales. And it's like, it would be great to do M with the uh, Thunderbolts. So Thunderbolts are like this team of supervillains who have been like forced to do good more or less. But the idea of like a sort of reverse M or a different viewpoint where it's these criminals who are aware that if a murder has gone on or a crime has gone on, they need to find a way to survive in this world. They need to find out who has done it in sort of them going up against each other. Like that would be a lot better than a lot of the stuff. That it we sounds got. like it would be, well, that's actually, you're actually putting some thought into the application of it and how it would translate and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Or like there's any number of characters where you could do like, oh, hey, Cable, he's a guy who isn't necessarily from the future, but he doesn't know where he came from and he's tied into things bigger than himself. He's got people looking after him or coming after him. He has no idea why. And there you've got your noir hook. Like it's it's an interesting experiment, but the books are pretty horribly inconsistent, sometimes in writing, sometimes in quality. Like Punisher Noir, which is something that seems like it really should work, does not. That seemed, yeah, that sounded like one that like that makes sense. That's very much like I said, the kiss me deadly, the mean, violent, you know. But it it just doesn't stick the landing, and it also gets to be transphobic. So yay for that. Uh, yeah. When you get a lot of options for characters to write, and you're like, oh, hey, let's go for the character who is going to make this book pretty transphobic within, like, one page of introduction. Let's <laughs> not go with that. But, yeah, that... Uh... That sounds like a horrible choice. Yeah. Because the yeah. Noirs, they can be like, be offensive or be, you know, whatever. We don't have to be PC. It's like, no, you can still have like empathy. Yeah. It's not that, I mean, those kinds of stories that you can explore under this kind of lens would be interesting. Uh, a trans noir story, but not like a. Like literally the, the person who is trans is a unstoppable Russian killing machine. Okay. To the point of dehumanizing and going for laughs by constantly having them survive damage and being still very physically masculine. It's like, no, that's, that's, yeah, comics are awful. Well, there's like uh, Margot Verger in Hannibal. I haven't read the books, but I know I have read that in the books. She's like a, it's ambiguous whether she's like a trans man or just a really masculine lesbian. And that's sort of like huge, huge, muscly. And uh, Brian Fuller was like, no, I'm not doing it that way. There's no way I'm doing that. And it's like, you can change stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the future now. We don't have to, you know, you can get rid of that character or, re- or redo them in a way that's not going to hurt, upset, you know, and upset a lot of people. Yeah, let's, let's do media better. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the thing. You had all these writers who got to choose what, like how they wanted to tell these stories and so many of them just did not feel like they were invested except for like the Luke Cage and the Wolverine Noir. Like X-Men Noir is this horribly weird mix where the main character isn't even like a member of the normal X-Men at all. And it's like centered around this really obscure guy named uh, the Angel uh Thomas Holloway and it's like uh he's he's not an X-Man. I'm not sure why you want us to care about him and also he can magically fly. <laughs> That's weird. What does it have to do with yeah. yeah. <sighs> That's too. I'm not in any kind of stuff like this, I'm not a purist. And there's been, like, neo-noir are just sort of, like, weird postmodern sort of noir influence stuff I've really liked, or, like, parodies of noir. Like, I, as we have this conversation, I keep thinking about the Sam and Max games, 
There's something in season mm-hmm. three where your one of your dialogue options is, is noir, and you click it, and he just says mean, like cynical, like oh, this is streets of this city or blah blah. And people are like, stop talking like that. It's really funny because <laughs> uh, I think that's the they stole Max's brain, the episode where his partner's brain is stolen out of his head. So he's like going around the city beating people up trying to find. That, that was really well done. Steve Purcell's really funny with that kind of stuff. Um, and I appreciate that. But he obviously, they cared about the parody that they were doing. They like researched it and fit the aesthetic and it works. And it's so funny because they cared about what they were doing. Rather than like, oh, well, he's a detective. Let's put some blinds in. And, you know, let's have some weird femme fatale women in there. And there you go. Yeah, it's... The whole project has been interesting seeing how they tried to do a line and then the line just not going at all. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Or I talked about all my favorite you... stuff. I got Sam and Max <laughs> in there, a third man, Kiss Me Daily, talk about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, all the stuff that I really enjoyed. when I, uh, I liked The Big Sleep a lot when I was like 17. That was the first, probably the first noir movie I saw. And I was like, wow, because because uh, Faulkner wrote, so I think it was based maybe on a Chandler novel. And then William Faulkner wrote or something like that. It's just so good and so mean and fun. And there are so many great actors in it. Um, and that applies to a lot of noir films. I would recommend if people haven't seen a lot of um, noir movies that they go back and watch them. I guess Sunset Boulevard is sort of on the later end of it, and I don't know if it counts 100%, but that's a really good movie, too. That's one of them that I think they do uh, count a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not about... I think it's a little different plot-wise, but tonally it's right there with all of them. Um, That one... And like I said, the good neo-noir, I like The Long Goodbye. I, I mean, Polanski's a monster... And I wouldn't, I would not pay for any of his movies, but Chinatown is a good example of neo noir, um, uh-huh. later movie, and uh, Shane Black stuff. Shane Black plays with a lot of the tropes, um, although he does more like action comedies in that. Yeah, there's there's so much cool stuff that you can do with it, that's even separated from the original context or the original you know state of mind that the directors were in when they were making them. Hmm. Uh-huh. I think something else I'd sort of be interested or I'd be interested in seeing your take was uh, if you get a chance to go to the library to check out some of the Parker graphic novels that are the adaptations of the Richard Stark, Donald Westlake uh, novels. They tried to do a movie adaptation based on the comics a few years ago with Jason Statham and it was apparently just awful. (laughs) It doesn't sound good. But they sort of picked... Uh, it was Darwin Cook who was doing the art and the adaptations of them, and he's a big 60s stylistic guy, and I'd be interested to see your opinions on those. Some of them are much better than others, but they're also just beautiful books to uh, see. Yeah, remind me over DM, and I'll look into them. Mm-hmm. Um, or if there's like an Amazon link or something. Yeah, I've I ended up getting... When I've gotten through, uh, or I'm on my second Kindle now, but like moving into Amazon Kindle for picking up comics and graphic novels has been fantastic, especially with all the sales they have. <laughs> I can imagine that would help. Um, I played a lot more games when I got Steam with Steam sales and whatever. Well, I haven't played any in a while. 
Yeah, I, I feel like it's less awful with comics because it's like, oh, I, I'll maybe spend like five hours reading this thing as opposed to I can pour 40 hours into this game or 20 hours. Yep. And I've got. Yeah, it's it is a, uh, a weird, weird thing. That's what my, my cousin got a switch for Christmas and we've all been playing Breath of the Wild in different games. But one of the games she's looking to play next is L.A. Noir. I've never played. I've heard mm-hmm. sort of mixed stuff about it, but I think she would enjoy it. It sounds fun. Just like playing detective. Have you seen the uh, videos that they've done for Polygon? Uh, not the Polygon videos, I don't think. I've seen some videos where it's like, hmm, could he be lying? And the facial animations are ridiculous. Um, there, uh, there, there's some good goof videos. <laughs> it seems like there would be. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, where can people find you online and all of that good stuff? You can find me on YouTube at uh, Strucci Movies. If you look up So You Want to Be a Film Nerd. I also did a, I'm doing a video series with H Bomber Guy called Scanline. So if you look up Scanline VHS, you can find the first episode of that. I'm also what is on that Twitter. About? Uh, Scanline is like a series on um, film and media and whatever. And the first one we did was is about VHS as an aesthetic. And as a medium and some advantages to it that people might not have thought of and some disadvantages, just like a real deep dive into VHS that was really fun to do. Uh, We spent a lot of time on it and the reception was really good and I was really happy with how it came out. Just sort of about like certain horror movies maybe being scarier if you can't see everything that's going on, which is not, I mean, that's not like a new concept, but sort of retroactively looking at VHS, how renting a VHS tape would be different from seeing something at the theater. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Plenty of Alcoves and at Strucci Movies as well. I'm on there a lot. And I am Luke. Uh, you can find my normal co-host, Devin, who is continuing his sabbatical as he tries to get smarter than everybody else in the room to be a better librarian at, at Fred Fett on Twitter. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Or at dot com. I still need to remember to go and actually update that website because I don't <laughs> even think it has Exiled on it. Hot dog. Um, yep. Uh, coming up this week slash wrapping up this noir month uh, nightmare that we have had. Uh, also going up today was uh, X-Men Noir Mark of Cain coming up Sun. Coming up Wednesday is Spider-Man Noir Eyes Without a Face. And then next week, I believe we are covering the Eminem Punisher crossover. And that is Eminem the Rapper, not the Candies. Though both exist. And we are getting close to our third year of podcasting being over, which is horrifying to think about. Congratulations. I think... My third year anniversary is this weekend, or like two days from now, doing YouTube stuff. Three years is a lot. It's like, wow, it's a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You can follow the podcast on Twitter at at multiversalq.com. We also have a Facebook, which I can sometimes remember to update. And if you go, we will usually attach on uh, image galleries for the episodes. I will put together a list of the movies that shannon has listed off and we also have a patreon where for as little as one dollar a month you can get bonus content including early episodes of our spinoff live role-playing game podcast exiled uh 
And Devin and I will record bits where we talk about movies that we've seen. And it's Oscar season, so we've seen a lot of movies. I think that wraps us up for this week. Until then, or until next time, this one's for Hank. <laughs>